This is Eric, and joining me on this episode is Donald Broussard, a graduate of Norfolk State University. He also attended Southern University in Baton Rouge, where he was a member of the football team, as well as the Beta Sigma chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. He is currently a member of the Iota Xi Lambda chapter in Opelousas, Louisiana. Professionally, Donald is a business development manager in the agribusiness space. Donald, welcome to Thought Session. How are you doing today? I'm doing well in yourself, Brother Eric. Glad to be here. You know, Donald, you and I had a prior conversation and you mentioned some guiding principles that you patterned your life by. Um, Share with us what those principles are and what made you answer the call of community activism. But if you really want something out of life, you know, I was taught uh, by some family members, mainly my father and my grandfather at a young age, the seven P's of life. Proper previous planning prevents piss poor performance. I'm going to say that one more again. The seven P's of life. Proper previous planning prevents piss poor performance. And where I really got my feet wet in activism uh, and in community uh, outreach was doing this gubernatorial election when David Duke was running for governor of Louisiana. You know, man, we hit these neighborhoods throughout Baton Rouge extremely hard. We registered, you know, thousands of people that weren't registered. We got them registered to vote. Uh, We made sure that we had transportation on election day to get them back and forth to the polls because we just could not allow a, a racist, member of the KKK to be a governor of Louisiana. We're already fighting for basic human rights in the 1990s as we are today in 2020. Just think if we allowed him to become governor, that would have set us back 150, 200 years. So, you know, that political activism uh, and being on, on on a historically black college and university campus, it just gave you a sense of, of pride uh, to know that you could utilize your voice, you could utilize your platform uh, to pull others up and to share the knowledge of self with other people so that we could uh, all work together to achieve a common goal. And that common goal was to keep David Duke uh, out of the governor's mansion in Louisiana. And we did. We were successful uh, because he lost and he lost by a landslide. It's amazing that you're speaking about activities that happened back in the 90s, but it sounds like it happened just yesterday when you think about the things that are going on right now. What's your take with where we are today with what people are calling civil unrest? And I'm so over the use of that term. This is not civil unrest. And if my discomfort makes you uncomfortable, I'm not going to apologize for that because we didn't create this situation. We didn't ask to come here. We didn't book a cruise on Royal Caribbean and say, hey, let's go, you know, pick cotton for the rest of our lives. But I'm interested in hearing your take 
and what you're hearing amongst, you know, people in your community? Well, you know, brother Eric, you know, people are, people are just tired, man. You know, people are tired and fed up. And you said, you said a mouthful uh, a few seconds ago when you said, you know, we didn't ask to come here. You know, our ancestors were stolen from, from, from their homeland and brought here, uh, enslaved in a system known as slavery. You know, you know when, when, we, when we start talking about all the societal ills, you got to put things into perspective. You know, when you look at slavery, you know, these families that profited and benefited from slavery in the Deep South, you know, in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, you know, Tennessee. When you talk about all these Southern states, man, and these different family surnames, these family names that have, have been synonymous with agriculture, you know, that have made their, their, their fortunes off of, off of sugar. Like in Louisiana, you know, sugar cane and sugar is king in Louisiana. Rice farming is king in Louisiana. And there are certain family last names where the descendants of these family members are multimillionaires when they come out of the womb. We're talking about, you know, civil war, pre-civil war family fortune. So when they come out the womb, they don't have, they don't have the same obstacles that you or I or one of our brothers and sisters you know, that come out in the black community, they don't have the same obstacles to overcome that we have. They are born with literally silver spoons in their mouths. So they feel privileged. You know, I'm I'm going to speak on that word privilege. You know, everything that's going on right now that we've been witness to since 1991 when, when the Rodney King incident took place, when I was at Southern University, we, we, we watched when they beat Rodney King on the side of that freeway in California, man. And this was 1991. You know, the Civil Rights Bill and the Civil Rights Act was passed in, I, in, I want to say, 1965. And it was amended in 1968. So we're talking about what, 23 years later? And we're still witnessing police brutality of a magnitude that you would see an overseer beating a slave with a bull whip or an overseer beating a slave with a wooden club. You know, this is 23 years later. So what we're seeing today is a direct result of that, that you know, white America feeling privileged to where they could never be able to understand the plight of our people because they have never walked a day in our shoes. Just the other day, one of my colleagues made a statement about, you know, this violence isn't going to solve the problem. And I, my, my response was, what do you think solves the problem? And this is the response I always hear to that question. I don't know, but I just know violence isn't it. Okay, so A, you don't know what the problem is. If you don't know what's going to solve it, you don't know what the problem is. Um, but here's, here's, this is what's going to solve the problem. It starts with seeing the problem, then talking about the problem, and then giving a damn about the problem. Okay, don't tell me what's not going to solve the problem. 
if you don't have anything to positively contribute to the resolution, next. You know, so, I, I, you know, it, it, I'm so done with that. They do not want to see, nor do they want to comprehend the problem. Or admit that there is a problem. Or admit that there is a problem. There has always been a systemic racism and a systemic racist attitude in and within police organizations and police unions. You listen to the rhetoric coming out of Minnesota from the police union president, you know, I mean, they're, they're basically trying to justify what the world, you know, we're not talking about the United States now. This protest has gone worldwide. You know, folks in the UK, folks in New Zealand, folks all over the world are, are marching in the streets of their respective cities and their respective countries uh, in protest of systemic racism and police brutality in the United States and in their respective countries, Paris, France. I mean, the police organizations and the municipal police organizations have become militarized uh, killing grounds for, for, for white supremacists and racists and bigots that don't have to have college degrees. All you have to do is have a high school diploma and they'll hire you. A lot of them fall through the cracks because there are no specific systems in place to weed out people that could one day possibly end up killing an innocent civilian or, or, or an unarmed black man, unarmed black woman, unarmed black youth. I mean, you know, you look at it, they, they have no sensitivity to what has been going on and happening in the black community, you know, since the since pre-Civil War, since during the slave, slavery days for that system, after slavery you had Jim Crow and segregation. And then after Jim Crow and segregation, you have what we have today, modern day militarized police agencies that go out into the black, the black and brown communities and wreak havoc on our people. You know, and, and, and until we can sit down, and it has to start, it has to start at the political level, you know, through legislative bills and legislative action. And, you know, from the outside looking in, not being in the politics, Brother Eric, we just don't have enough of our people at the political level federal, at the political level state, or at the political level local that are ready to stand up and speak out about the injustices occurring in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and on our city streets. If, if anyone can name five or 10 politicians that have really stepped to the forefront and spoken out, I would humble myself and, and gladly acknowledge that. But I can't name 10 politicians at the federal level, 10 at the state level in my state, or 10 at the local level that have really stepped up to the plate, stood up, taken a stand and spoken out. So here's the thing. I think the silence is worse than the violence. Everybody that is looking away because they, they think that it doesn't affect them. Um, everybody who is impacted um, and directly affected, they won't use the voice that they have. And I think you, to your point, first of all, we have to be aware that we have options. 
okay? And we have to understand what strategy is it going to take to put people in positions to be able to call out stuff like this up front legally. At the end of the day, we share that one common bond. And that one common bond is our complexion, our skin tone. You understand? We've all faced the same racist behaviors. We've all faced the same uh, racism uh, in our various communities where we reside today. So we all share a united goal to confront it when we see it and not stand silent. You know, it's, it's 2020, man. You know, Brother Stokely Carmichael, you know, I have a meme up on my Facebook page, and it's something that, that, that I always believed in, you know, because I heard the stories from my great-grandparents, from my grandparents, and from my parents about Jim Crow and segregation. The meme says that, you know, our grandfathers had to run, 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 run. My generation tired of running. We out of breath. We not running anymore. And that, that's exactly what you are witnessing across America and across the world today as we speak. This young generation and my generation, your generation, man, we not running. I, I, I will not bow down and tile to any, any bigot or any racist to appease them. You know, I could, I could be the only black man in the room, but when I step through those doors, my presence will be felt because I, I'm not one to bow down or look down, you know, don't look you in the eyes, don't shake your hand and look you in the eyes like a man. I am comfortable in the skin I am in. And if I'm in a room full of, of, of Caucasian males and females, I am comfortable in my, my own skin and in my innate abilities to be able to relate to them and converse with them on or above their level. So I, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem being the only such and such, you know, at the company. You know, I worked in the oil and gas industry here in Louisiana, and that is definitely the good old boy network. You know, sometimes you find yourself being the only black man on the platform and you, you, you have 50, 60, you know, guys on the platform. You're the only brother. You understand what I'm saying? So, wow. you know, you, 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 you hear the different attitudes and you hear the, the, the different belief systems and the different, you know, racist remarks. And you can either be silent and, and, and let them continue to do it, or you can meet it head on and you can stop that, uh, that ish at the door. And I, I'm one that I take it head on and I stop it at the door. I let them know I'm not the one. I have never been the one. Uh, and if you don't like it, you can find me another platform, you know, because they pay me for what I, what I know, uh, you know, from the neck up. You know, not from the neck down. A lot of them get paid from the neck down. I get, I got paid from the neck up. <laughs> you know, like I said, you gotta, you gotta say something, and do something when you see something, right? Uh, because that sets a precedent for those um, young brothers and sisters that are joining that industry. You know, uh, after us, right? How are they going to be treated, right? You're going to know what to expect, and and I hope you guys continue to stay active, man. What what what's next for you? Next big project, man. You know, you know, I, oil and gas industry was the bread and butter for many years, but I was able to invest uh, in in some things with with some brothers. We have a company called Texcola Agribusiness and Development. Or well, you know, we have brothers based out of Dallas, Texas, Houston, Texas. My brother from another mother, 
who lives in Colorado in the Denver metro area. You know, he represents Colorado along with a couple other business partners uh, and I, along with another gentleman from Lake Charles, Louisiana, we represent the Louisiana house. So we're engaged in, in different things and, you know, agriculture is one of our main businesses. You know, uh, we're heavily engaged in the CBD markets, you know, worldwide. And, you know, we're, we're waiting for other states across this union to decriminalize marijuana across the lower 48 and in all 50 states. And then, you know, that's going to be a very profitable market to venture off into. But we're also into sustainable, uh, renewable uh, energy, you know, solar panels, solar and wind energy. We're trying to push this uh, this sustainable and renewable energy market below the Mason-Dixon line. But, you know, like I know, you know, the deep south, man, you know, we're, we're light years uh, behind a lot of other states, a lot of other progressive states. You know, we're, we're talking about a sustainable green economy that where you can create multiple revenue streams off of utilizing energy that all you're doing is harnessing energy from the sun and the wind. You know, it don't cost you anything. Clean energy, not dirty energy. But, you know, it's a hard sell in the deep south, especially where oil and gas has been, been king for, for many, many years, you know? Where would we go if we wanted to learn a little bit more about your company and some of the services that you offer? We have two different websites that I like to share. The first is uh, www.texcola.com. Dot com, uh, and that's our company website. There's also ways to contact us if, if should anyone be interested uh, in some of the services that we provide. Uh, also, IPS Solar Systems, www.ipssolarsystems.com. That, that's our sister partner for the sustainable and renewable energy uh, side of our business. From the research that I've done, man, you guys have a lot of information on your website and we'll be sure to include those links um, on our site as well. You're affecting positive change in the environment and that's so in line with creating solutions. If you have anything else going on, man, don't be a stranger. Come back and let us know, okay? Hey, appreciate your time, brother Eric. Appreciate the platform and let's stay in touch, brother. Thought, thought, session. session. Thought, session. thought, session. session.